0: Fast and Powerful Relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Spanning the nerd world and feeding your fandom. It's time for the Down and Nerdy Podcast. Here's your host, James Witham. Live from San Diego, it's episode 479 of the Down and Nerdy Podcast. I'm James With I'm not going to be talking too loud because I'm trying to be courteous to my hotel neighbors as I record this from San Diego. Yep, it's Comic-Con 2023, and we thought maybe this year might be different. And usually I would kind of launch right into, you know, what the show is going to be about and stuff like that. But what I want to do to start this off, and I think I did this last year too, was I just want to talk about the vibe here at Comic-Con in general, to kind of just start things off a little bit. And you might have listened to me kind of make a couple predictions about what this year's con would be like, and I thought more people would be inside the show floor than there were last year. And I will tell you, that was a big yes up to this point, just for Wednesday and Thursday, when I finally got inside the show floor right when it opened on Wednesday, which is supposed to be preview night, by the way. I want you to keep that in mind, preview night. So the floor was absolutely packed probably more people I've ever seen in there on a preview night before and the interesting thing was was that a friend of mine was with me went right to the DC booth because DC's finally back on the show floor after skipping last year's show so wanted to see what the DC booth was going to look like the smaller DC booth and we noticed as we were walking and even once we got to DC that a lot of the lines for merchandise things like that were already capped and we'd only been inside for five, maybe ten minutes at most. So that was really surprising. And sometimes that that happens. Even during Wednesdays of the convention, the lines will be capped right away. But it usually takes about, you know, at least 30 minutes, if not an hour, for a lot of lines to be capped. So it was very interesting that right when the doors open. The lines were capped. It's not like they let people in early. They don't do that at Comic Con. I can tell you that right now. If you've never been and thought, well, oh, maybe some people got in early. No, that's not a thing. I can promise you that right now. They don't let people in early. The only people that go in early are exhibitors and, and certainly other people that wouldn't be in line in the first place. So you can get that idea out of your head right now. But it was just, and then I went down to the Funko section where Funkoville is, which is amazing again this year. And it just wall to wall, like shoulder to shoulder people. And even when I was walking through the floor on Thursday to do a couple of things, it was just, again, just so packed, so much more so than I would have expected. And I'm not going to say that it's the most packed that I've ever seen it, because I think that that's a little heavy handed, because there, there's certainly been years in years past where the show floor has had some massive booths and some really good activations on the inside of the con, So I will say it's not maybe the most I've seen it packed, but definitely, definitely more packed than it was last year on the inside. Part of that has to do with the heat. It's a little hotter in San Diego right now than it usually is. So that is part of it. So I'll throw that out there too. But just I, I think it's the lack of, you know, Hall H presence and other things like that that was kind of the key to that happening this year. And speaking of Hall H, I was talking to a couple of people that basically said, they were in inside Hall H in 45 minutes. Now, for which panel that was for, they didn't tell me that. But I will say that it was surprising to me that it seemed like people were getting into Hall H a lot easier this year than in years past. Now, there were still people camped out on Wednesday, I will tell you that. There were still people waiting there for, for Turtles, which I understand. I get it. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, a big fandom. You want to be at the panel, whether the actors are there or not. That is commitment to fandom, and I do love that. But it also seemed like people were getting in if they wanted to get in. And in years past, that just wasn't a thing. I can promise you that right now. Now, are there other people that are going to camp out for other stuff? Sure. But I will say for certain, the Hall H line was not even close to as long as it usually is. Now, that probably has to do with the number of panels that are in Hall H. It's a very minimal size of panels in Hall H this year. That's certainly part of it. I will admit that fully, but at the same time, I'm going to tell you right now, it was weird not seeing that line wrapped all the way down the back of the convention center up to the Hilton Bayfront, which is right near the convention center. It was very strange not seeing that line as big as it usually is. It was so short at one point, I actually thought about jumping in it just for the heck of it, just to go into Hall H, because I've never actually been inside Hall H and I considered it just to see what it would be like inside. But I had a lot of stuff to do, and you'll find that out in this week's show. I'm going to talk to Lee Bermejo, who is the artist and illustrator on A Vicious Circle from Boom Studios. But you know him from so many other amazing books. And I can't wait to tell you about this one because this has a unique art style you really need to know about on top of being an amazing story. I also decided it was a good time to bring Liz de Silva. And Derek Baca back on the show to talk about Loungefly. Get a chance to stop by the Loungefly booth. Go to at Down and Nerdy757 on Instagram to check out those photos. A whole bunch of photos and videos from the con as well are available on there. Videos on TikTok at Down and Nerdy Pod as well. Speaking of the Funkoville, I also went to Mondo, not just to see those amazing six scale figures, I promise. I was there to talk to Senior Creative Director of Toys and Collectibles, Hector RC and also Peter Santamaria, who is the guru for the posters and collectibles. So I got to chat with them about all the fun Mondo stuff that's happening at Comic-Con this year, and so much other great stuff that I'm going to have on the show this week. So let's kick it off with an interview, shall we? Lee Bermejo, artist extraordinaire, is going to join me next on the Down and Nerdy Podcast. This is writer Stephanie Phillips, and you're listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast. At Comic-Con 2023, and one of the things I love is so many great books that are at Comic-Con this year. And if you haven't read A Vicious Circle yet from Boom Studios, what are you doing? Because you need to get on this book, and this guy has been killing it. This entire—I mean, the second issue you just dropped here at Comic-Con, Lee Bermejo. Lee. I mean, my jaw's still on the floor. I'm still picking it up from the first issue. Then you dropped the second issue. What's the fan response been like for you?
1: I just—it just came out, so I—you know—we're still kind of gauging the the second issue. But so far, it's good. We've 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 gotten some pretty great reviews, which is always nice, you know. Yeah, people seem to really embrace the first issue, you know, like that. It's tough. You do a creator own thing, new characters, new high concept, and you know how it is in, in comics. It's the it's world of Batman and Spider-Man. So when you're introducing something new to the world, it can sometimes take some time to kind of get people on board the train, but we're getting, there. we're getting there.
0: No doubt. I've been a fan of your art style from the beginning as it is, but what you're doing in this book, changing up your art style for these different time periods. I don't want to spoil too much for anybody that may not have read it, but Talk about that as, as you go to each different time period, switching up your art style. How difficult is something that like that for you?
1: You know, it's it's it just depends on the on the sequence and the style. Some some of them have been surprisingly easy and others kind of painful and difficult, you know, it just it just really depends. I was really cavalier at the beginning of the project, just talking about it with Max and with my writer, co-creator. And I think that I had this idea that it would be a great way for me to be able to do kind of homages to my favorite artists and you know and, and, and play around with comics in a way i never really did what i didn't foresee <laughs> is that i can only do so much you know i can only push the style so far there will eventually be things that are just me you know and, and as much as i would love to be able to do you know by like a frank Fazetta style or something i i just i can't do it you know, so each style change has been a bit of a compromise between what I wanted to do and what actually comes out you know on the page but but I think it gives the book kind of a we wanted to have something that was a emotional response that the, the characters were feeling obviously being you know catapulted through time and not knowing where they were going and so hopefully the style changes, don't take people out of the story. Hopefully they actually immerse them more in the story because can they kind of are experiencing it with the characters. Like, what is this? It's new, it's different, you know? Like the characters are, are experiencing that moment. So there is like a method, story, narrative reason for the madness, but yeah, yeah, you know, it's been, it's been fun to do, that's for sure. Oh, I can
0: imagine. Talk about this dynamic between your two main characters. So you've got Sean, you've got Ferris. You're kind of feeling them both out, even in these first couple of issues. What is that? How would you describe the dynamic between the two of them? Because it doesn't seem like a typical, like like a hero, villain type dynamic.
1: Yeah. I think the first issue was definitely the introductory, let's get to know the high concept and let's teach people how to read this book, you know. The second book, you definitely learn a lot more about charm and, and Thacker's world, we see where it comes from we we find out I again I don't want to spoil too much or anything but you you know we started the story in the first issue in the middle of the story so we kind of find out how we got to that point mm-hmm. in 1960s New Orleans and then the third book will be Ferris's book you know so then we'll learn a lot more about Ferris because we really haven't answered that many Ferris questions yet and that's coming in the, in the third book and so the dynamic definitely between the two changes you know you start out with Ferris like He's the monster in the basement, right? He's kind of the bad guy. And as the book progresses, you, you're you going to start to rediscover both of those characters in ways you hadn't maybe predicted. Excellent.
0: So you're going through these, There's, like you said, there's timeline changes in this book. I don't think that's much of a spoiler. Yeah. And we know how, you know, in, in typical, other in other stories that we've seen, how much, you know, you change one little thing about the timeline and that can certainly throw things off. Are we going to see maybe some of that play out in the story a little bit.
1: Yeah, definitely. You start to see it in book two majorly. The effects that they the things that happen do have a bit of a ripple effect, you know? And the big question is really, how much of an effect do these do these things really have? And and at the end of the day I think that also will be a lot of that will be the third book. Will will be these these two characters kind of philosophically getting into what this thing is really that they're that 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 they can do you know going through time whereas the first issue is they're just reacting to it you know the second issue is 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 a, a little bit more about their discovery of it and so you know again the third book will, will go into more about okay you know what does it all mean you know what does all what does all this time travel actually mean so yeah I don't know if that answers the question but no, it, it, it did. Okay.
0: Because I know what you know about issue two, and I don't want to spoil it either. Yeah, so. yeah, no, I I'm,
1: I'm trying to dance around some of that stuff.
0: No okay. doubt about that, no doubt. So, talk about the collaborative process because, you know, obviously when you're creating a book together, writer, artist, are, are, there's a very much a collaboration there. So, what went into, say, the character designs, what time periods you were going to choose to visit, and things like that between the two of you?
1: I mean, Mattson had this amazing high concept, like that. you know, I remember when he pitched me that high concept, I immediately just thought, oh, this is, the possibilities are really crazy. And so we, you know, we definitely have plotted this thing out, and Mattson has structured it in a way from the very beginning that, you know, what you're going to see through the end of the book was very much that was the plan. And really, I think Matson is such a visual storyteller because he's a filmmaker too so I think he has such a good grasp of visual pacing that I can feel his influence on this book more in that and the pacing rhythm of the story but otherwise you know design stuff we definitely talked about it all we we, we discussed about what would uh, Sean Thacker's world look like you know when we finally see kind of where he comes from and what about Ferris and yeah, all that stuff was, There were subject of major conversations and Matts and I remember even created like a visual, like Google Docs or something, you know, with a bunch of just, you know, still frames for movies that maybe were inspirational and he would start to kind of filter that stuff to me and, and then this thing, you know, eventually you, you take all that stuff and you funnel it and, and it takes on a life of its own, but that, yeah, all conversations and, this is a very, it's been a very collaborative book in that sense. But yeah, we, you know, it's, it's, been, it's been a really great experience to work with a, a storyteller, I think, is kind of good at the big picture, you know, but still keeping things very emotional and kind of intimate in, in another way
0: you got some really difficult and emotional scenes that you have to draw, especially in this first issue. There's one that I'll probably never be able to get out of my head because it was just such a shocker and such an emotional thing. And I don't know that I really want to spoil it. But as an artist, when you on the page, you know, I have to present this very difficult moment. How do you kind of prepare yourself to be able to illustrate something like that? Because I, I, I got to imagine it's, it's got to be difficult.
1: Part of that's just the story, you know, like this the quality of the script. And, and the other thing I think about the, you know, specifically like the stuff that happened in issue one, you know, with Sean and his family and the, the, those moments. Part of that, that choice of style that I did with black and white is because I wanted that sequence to really play out the way we eventually had it play out where you know, you're you're pulling in further and further and further. and Things are, you know, uh, you're you're getting the heartbeat monitor effect. And Which was incredible, and, man. That was oh. just that was amazing. Thank you, thank you. They were just good. You know, it was just it was good good writing, and I and I, I felt like I knew how to kind of present it, pulling in further and further and for uh, closer and closer and closer to the characters, so that that mo- moment hopefully really. We really sold it, you know. And you and you definitely did. Now, your covers,
0: Lee, are already good enough as it is, but I want you to talk about some of the artists that you all were able to bring on for some of these variants, which are very cool, and you got oh, some cool. big names on the list.
1: Yeah, no, it was, it's been awesome. I mean, it's been great to also be able to bring in someone like Helena Moselis, who is not a really well-known comic artist. She's young and up-and-coming and really talented. And so part of it's been great to see... Someone like Louis LaRosa, who well, I'm a huge fan of Louis LaRosa's stuff. I, I, getting him to do the cover for this was a big get for me, just because I'm, I'm such a fan. And he knows dinosaurs like nobody else. I mean, he's, he's scientific about it, he's obsessed with, with dinosaurs in the best way. And I thought, oh, if we can get him to do a dinosaur cover for us, that, that, that's amazing. We got lucky, you know. We we got him, and Alex Garner did an incredible piece, and just a, it's been it's been great to see this this you know these, these variants kind of come together.
0: So I've talked to so many artists over the years that tell me that horses are a huge pain to draw. So I need to know which is the more difficult thing, or the, or the bigger pain is it horses or is it
1: dinosaurs? Uh, I mean, I went to Lewis. Before we even knew we could get him on a cover, because he just is so knowledgeable. I went to Lewis and uh, I I just asked him. I've never drawn dinosaurs before. What advice can you give me? You know, where what are good reference material to look for that's kind of the real deal and not just you know Jurassic Park or something like that? What what he wound up providing me with was multiple emails with images and packed with bone structures of you oh know, dinosaurs and muscle structures he you know he, some of them done by him you know where he would literally break down an allosaurus and it's muscle structure wow which, you know he's just he's just an he's you know he's a genius yeah that really helped so I I, I can do horses okay dinosaurs I was scared I was really sc- I've never done anything for I'd say dinosaurs because it's it's easy to find reference of horses you know sure of course yeah, horse, you know, yeah. So you, there's dinosaurs you've got movies made about dinosaurs but really all you have and this is what I found to be the most helpful was bones you know like the seeing the skeletons of these dinosaurs that was more helpful than anything okay. else because you can kind of use that as okay well it has to have this structure you know it has to I have to follow these rules. So
0: before I let you go, Lee, we've got two issues that are that are out right now. What excites you the most about what's coming? What's the best tease that you can give for people that are already reading this book and are wondering where the story might be at?
1: I'm really excited for people to learn more about Ferris. I'm really excited for, for that to be kind of coming to focus because we haven't scratched the surface of that character yet. And the third issue really gets into it, really, Ferris kind of takes center stage and, and I've been waiting for this moment like since the beginning because you know you're, you're seeing this who is this crazy guy with the circle scars all over his body and you know what why is that why where does he come from who is this guy and I'm really excited for people to kind of finally get those answers and and, and see how it affects them, their view of him and the story so that's probably what I'm, I'm the most excited to do, yeah.
0: And you guys will have to catch up. If you're not already, read issues one and two of A Vicious Circle from Boom Studios. You get those, and then make sure you just put it in your pull box at your local comic book shop. Then that way you won't have to worry about missing any issues and what this guy's going to If this book doesn't win him an Eisner, I don't know why we even have the Eisners, because it's that incredible. Yeah. Lee Bermejo, thank you so much for your time. I
1: appreciate it. Thank you.
0: Appreciate it. Thanks very much. I really do mean it. If, if this guy doesn't win an, an, an Eisner, for this book, I don't know what we're doing here because the way he shifts his art styles like that, to me, it's, it's, it's absolutely incredible. And when you read A Vicious Circle, you're not just going to get a great story, but you're going to get art that's going to blow your mind in so many different forms and really literally transform the story for you as you go. This is a unique book, a unique story you cannot miss. A Vicious Circle, first two issues right now are out from Boom Studios. Get it at your local comic book shop. Get it digitally. Just get it because you definitely won't be sorry that you did. Again, thanks to Lee Bermejo and the wonderful people at Boom Studios for allowing me to do this interview during Comic-Con this year. Up next, I want to talk about some of the activations that I got to be a part of at Comic-Con, and I'll do that next on the Down and Nerdy Podcast.
2: This is David Sobolov, and you're listening to the Down and Nerdy Podcast.
0: One of my favorite things about Comic-Con is the activations that they have. Stuff that's happening outside of the con that just kind of immerses you in something. So I spent part of Wednesday and part of Thursday as well going through some of the press previews for these activations. And I want to kind of do this in order of how I did them. And the first stop I had was at the lodge from Paramount Plus, which actually looked like a ski lodge up front, which was really cool, and it was Paramount Plus promoting a lot of the stuff that they have out like SpongeBob SpongeBob SquarePants, Activation where you could take your picture behind the cash register, the Krusty Crab. They also had that the special op show that they've got coming out next week. That was that was a part of things as well. And there was a spot for yellow jackets. I will say this though, and and I'm gonna maybe spoil a little bit of this stuff, but not a ton because it's you know, Comic Con's still going on. Maybe you're hearing this and you want to go out there and check it out. The Yellow Jackets activation. I stood there for a good five minutes trying to figure out what I was supposed to see. I'm going to be honest with you right now. So I have no idea. Well, I mean, I saw something. I'm not going to spoil what it was. I saw something in the place where you, where you go into, you're going into this this thing and they say it's haunted. That's what they'll tell you. And I just stood there for a second waiting for something more to happen. And I'm <laughs> that's all I'm going to tell you. And at one point I just decided, maybe you saw the video, that I posted up already, and I kind of just decided to be like, yeah, you know what? I think I'm just gonna to go to the next thing. But they had a, a really cool like beverage station based on Transformers: Rise of the Beast, and they had some really cool, cool murals on the back there. They actually had burgers from Good Burger, and the Good Burger Two logo was on there, so that was really fun. They had they had waitstaff kind of walking around with the burgers and stuff, and then you go into another room, which is where the bar area was. This is how they kind of transform a bar into into this lodge and they had a big back wall and it was all star trek themed and they had caricature artists that you get a caricature done which i thought was really neat now from what i saw they weren't exactly star trek themed which i thought was interesting and a, a buddy of mine said that he saw it and well man, you know manny who's been on the show before he said that you know he didn't see that they were star trek themed and it was you know i thought that was kind of weird they also had a good photo op for for the Pet Cemetery series that's going to be coming out. They had 1923 there. Ink Masters was a part of that as well. You get little temporary tattoos, which, you know, if I was on vacation, I probably would have done. But when you're doing press stuff and you've got like a temporary tattoo of, of just some random thing, yeah, it just didn't seem like the right time to do that. But there was certainly plenty of stuff going on and they and they had some themed drinks at the bar, both alcoholic and non-alcoholic. I will tell you that much. So the, it was definitely a, f- a fun experience. It's not; it wasn't as immersive as I would have liked it to be, but it was still really neat to have these li- these little experiences here and there, and you know, walk away with a little something too. Like they had a little picture for the SpongeBob thing that it, it it was a very small, like Polaroid type thing, but it was still pretty cool. And they and they had one for the pet cemetery as well. So you know, it was it was a neat experience overall. But I will say the one that I did after that was Anne Rice's Immortal Universe experience from AMC and that was for Interview with the Vampire and it was for Mayfair Witches. And what the what you do is you go into this place and it transports you into the streets of New Orleans, as it were, and they talk about how you know there's some weird stuff going on and there's disappearances and things like that. And you go into this like speakeasy type place and they and they tell you, you know, you hey the drink this and it gives you eternal life sort of thing. The drink wasn't bad. I will say that it, it was not bad. And I'm I'm not a drinker, It was not an alcoholic, so I was I thought that was really neat. Then they actually give you a bag that tells you how to make the drink on the inside of it too, which I thought I thought that was pretty neat. And then you go to all these and it's kind of a like a w they'll walk you through where you're supposed to go and you go to all these different places with these characters that are acting out this scene of these mysterious disappearances and you know, supernatural happenings on the streets. Of New Orleans and they keep telling you to be careful and be safe and stuff like that. And again, I'm not going to spoil everything, but you know, you, you've got some stuff that again, you can walk away with from that some some stuff that's very interesting and unique to that particular setting in this particular world that they're bringing you into. And there was some entertainment out there too, which I thought was was pretty neat. And the posters there, I will say this, the posters at the end, were just fantastic. I got a couple of them, they were kind of like themed after old movies, but with the characters from Interview with the Vampire in them. Really, really great posters. If you're a poster fan, this was the activation for you for sure. And, and I got to tell you, they did a very good job of making it feel immersive, making you feel like you were in another place. And that's one of the things I really love about these these activations is them trying to make it seem like you're there. And I thought that they did a pretty good job with that. So then after that, it was really late at that point, and I walked over, and I'm, and when I walk, I mean, I'm talking, this was a pretty far walk, and it was dark. I had no idea where I was going, except I knew that I wanted to go to the Super 7 Cobra Operations Center, which was a pop-up shop, and they had, you know, the, the Super 7 collectibles for G.I. Joe, and, and it was mostly Cobra, right? And when I got there, I had to give them props. The First of all, the line wasn't very long, but I, I, I waited a decent amount of time, Because I had no place else to be, anyway. And when I was there, they had you know they've got somebody dressed up as Cobra Commander. They've got so many other they've got other Cobra cosplayers, and then they had Flint was the only GI Joe character that was there in cosplay. So they they were kind of like ribbing each other, giving each other a hard time, and they weren't necessarily they weren't necessarily in character the whole time, but they were they were certainly playing up the rivalry between G.I. Joe and Cobra. It was just really fun just being in that line. And when those guys would come through and they'd be cracking jokes with each other, they made standing in that line really easy. And then when you got inside the pop-up shop, they had so many great t-shirts and the collectibles that were in there, but they actually had like displays. And I want you to go to at Mission Collect, which is our collectible show on TikTok. And I, I posted the video of the displays that they had not just displaying the the action figures that they had there both the retro style and the in the big mondo just incredible figures that they have the ultimates but they actually had like a like a diorama type thing set up and it was gigantic and it had like a big battle scene between the Joes and Cobra up there it was really good. I mean, it's for for a pop up shop, and they made everything really efficient. All you had to do is hand people a piece of paper, and they would go get you the stuff that you said you wanted. I got this Cobra shirt that said "I Want to Believe," and it's got one of, it's got one of the Cobra ships on it that's actually shaped like a Cobra. The name of it escapes me at the moment, but it was just it was such a great shirt. I had to get it, and I'm I'm not usually one that's going to spend a little bit more than I should on a shirt, but I did that day. <laughs> I'll tell you that right now because it was that good. Of a shirt, so that was a fun experience too. Again, that that's something that's still open at Comic Con, but I went to the late night opening on Wednesday night just because I wanted to get what I wanted to get. Right, I got the I got the Destro variant that I wanted. I, I was thinking about the Baroness, I'm so like, nah, I'm gonna get the Destro, and I got the shirt too. So that was just really fun because I, I just love GI Joe and the GI Joe collectibles. So you wake up on Thursday, the first thing I did didn't work out. The less I say about that, the better. I'll just I'll just say that right now. We're just gonna push that one aside. For now, but I also went to the Hulu Animeham preview on Thursday morning, and basically it takes you into a lot of the shows that you can see on Hulu and Fox and FX and things like that. So you're talking about like Solar Opposites and Futurama and American Dad, The Simpsons, and you know the list goes on and on. If the Archer was another one, and they had so many cool photo ops at this thing like you get shrunken down in the soul and I say shrunken down you know not literally because you know that would be impossible right now and so you get shrunken down in the world of solar opposites you get to sit on the Simpsons couch at one point and get your picture taken and they had so many great they had so many great staff there taking pictures for people you you actually get to go up to the counter of Bob's Burgers and get your picture taken With that as well, and they and they had you know drinks and stuff available at that thing too, and they had something for for the Great North, which I will not spoil, but it was like a kind of an interactive experience for the Great North that was that was pretty fun. But mostly this was this was about the photo ops that you could get and just kind of having fun with other fans. And I will say, if you go to at Down and Nerdy seven five seven on Instagram and look at my pictures, I think that I got you know pretty creative with some of the pictures that I was taking. I'm just saying that, that that I had some creative poses, and I'm curious to get your comments on that for sure. Finally, after I was done with a couple of interviews, I decided to stop over a unique invite I got from the folks at CoVCTV and Laugh, and it was the Lamp for Days Roseanne experience that they had popped up. It was like a carnival. They had all these old carnival games, which was really cool. They had a Loretta Lynn impersonators singing, and if you don't know who Loretta Lynn is, kids, Google it, and you'll figure out who that is, but you might, if you're a Roseanne fan, you know what Land for Days is, and I got invited to kind of walk through there, and it was really fun seeing that they had a big inflatable version of the Roseanne couch there, and they had some really unique, you know, gifts and prizes that they were giving away, and they have, of course, Roseanne was on big TVs and stuff like that. That was just, it, it was a fun, especially for somebody who, I mean, I used to watch Roseanne all the time. So you kind of throws you back to the original series there a little bit. So it was nostalgic for me. That's one of the reasons I wanted to go. And and because, you know, the carnival aspect is always fun. Plus, I needed to get out of the heat. This is the hottest it's been since I've been in San Diego. This is the hottest it's been any trip that I've been. This is the hottest it's been, but it still beats the Virginia weather. So I will say that. So that's going to do it for my experiences for the activations for Wednesday and Thursday. That doesn't mean I won't have more to talk about on next week's show, so just you know be ready for that. And again, follow for pictures and videos on social media. You'll be able to find those there as well. Up next, I want to get back to the interviews. Let's talk about a little bit of Loungefly with Liz de Silva and Derek Bach. We'll do that next. I'm James Witham. This is the special Comic Con edition of the Down and Nerdy Podcast.
3: That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind.
6: This is the story of Harry Dallowance and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream.
3: So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, brother, this is Josh Seguera, and you're listening to the Down and Nerdy
0: Podcast. Right. I'm amidst all of the wonderful colors and things that is the Loungefly booth right now here at Comic-Con 2023, a couple of names that you might remember from a previous episode who are the gurus of all things, <laughs> Loungefly, Liz DeSilva, Derek Baca. How are you both doing? Good. Welcome back. We're
2: still on the roller coaster, we're still on the ride, it's still fun, it's exciting every time we get to come to a con and see the fans and the excitement. We've got a lot of new stuff this time and everyone's freaking out. Our exclusives are selling out by like noon, it's it's still wild. We yeah, it's,
6: it. def- it's definitely an amazing start to the con, everyone is loving what we brought and what, that's all
0: we want. Derek's lost his voice and it's Thursday. I know. Just I know. so we're putting that out there, we're letting you know that, but I want to ask you, you know, you were out here on preview night, are I saw you. By the way, awesome Star Wars shirt for preview night. Well done. What's the excitement been like even on a preview night? Is this the biggest crowd you've ever seen on a preview night?
2: A hundred percent. I think that since the, obviously what's going on in the climate, the panels aren't as packed, there's just so many more people on the floor spending money so like it took us by surprise completely we sold out of stuff like within the first hour and a half we're like wait wait, wait. this is the soft day of, of comic Con. i think so. stitch
6: sold out in maybe like 30 minutes yesterday it's stitch of course it sold out in <laughs> 30 minutes but that's still really fast for a con it was packed in here we had people say they couldn't even get into funkoville so it was definitely a jam-packed preview night for sure
2: it's just exciting to see fans engaging again and you know even last year it started getting there but this is full board like people are back out they're, they're comfortable they're they're getting all the things i mean there's a lot of great booths here a lot of great exclusives and like i feel like the, the offering as a fan even this is my 24th i think comic con over the time like the opportunities of seeing all this amazing stuff there's just i would be broke if i was not in the booth all
0: day long <laughs> Liz, we've talked about before how you guys choose what you do and what you bring to these things for this con specifically, because I feel like you guys really open things up to pretty much every fandom for this one. So what went into bringing Stitch here, bringing Chris in here for for this particular car?
6: So I think, you know, we have the approach in general that we really are trying new things. We are opening up our selection. We did McDonald's recently that was really successful, Strawberry Shortcake, we're really branching out. So we wanted to make sure that our exclusive assortment was really something for everyone. So you have Transformers in a full size. You have Jurassic Park in a neon collection, if that's your thing. You have a plush Stitch, if in his sweeter vibe with Scrum. But then you also have Rocket and Groove, and stylized artwork and chrysanthemum, So you really have something for everyone, and that's what we were going for.
2: And in addition to that, we have our first exclusive T-shirt <laughs> at a con, so Jurassic Park. We have limited edition 500-piece enamel pin sets that have been blowing out. So lanyards and keychains and just expanding overall not just mini backpacks, but again the full-size backpack for Everyone and all those small accessories. It's just more for everyone
6: And I think what that does too is it helps us offer different price points So no matter what your budget is there's a way to participate in the con in this movie
0: Fashion check here because they're both wearing the nightmare <laughs> before Christmas shirts, which I love Do we have more of that coming for Nightmare Before Christmas, maybe? So
2: this is actually a preview of what's coming in August. Yes.
0: So in August,
2: we did announce and show it on our socials. So yes, we have a lot. 30th anniversary. 30th anniversary collection. We have a lot of more spooky season apparel coming through. And again, the big change for LoungeWide is we're a lifestyle brand, not just a mini backpack company. So apparel is a part of that. We want to gear you up head to toe and, and put apparel that actually matches the bags. That's always the hardest thing, because our bags are crazy sometimes, and how do you match it? But We want to uh, give th- you that opportunity too. I
6: think this Halloween season, we have more apparel than ever before. It's gonna be our biggest season for apparel.
0: And I want you guys to reiterate something we have from our last conversation, just because somebody didn't see it. This is apparel that, pretty much whatever size you are. You guys are kind of catering to that a little bit, yes?
6: Yes, we are very size inclusive, not just in apparel, but in our bags. So we have done a lot of work adjusting strap sizes to make sure that our bags are truly for everyone. But our apparel, whether it's Stitch up by Loungefly, which are more tailored pieces go from small to 4X, or our unisex hoodies, tees, button-ups, those are, you know, they're a looser fit unisex sizing, but go still through small through 3X. So we really want to make sure that everyone can enjoy what we're making.
2: And the 3X is a real 3X. Oh, yeah. I'm a That's real, good. To know. I, I'm a real 3X. I, got, I have a belly. It's real. And it does. I'm actually the fit model for the big size because I am a large mammal. So it is. It's
0: not like slim fit at all. He's yeah. working the crowd so much, though, he's going to be a 2X by the time the con's over. That's so true, that's We're true. We're just going to have to be ready for that day. I could only hope for that. <laughs> <laughs> is there anything, as you're meeting more fans this year, is there anything that kind of surprised you that sold a little bit better, or a little bit quicker than you thought about? Well, obviously, people love everything, but it, was there anything you went, whoa, that's already gone? No, the full-size Transformers backpack. It's a out 120,
2: first $125, but it's a full-size. And we weren't sure, but the expansion of the brand over the past four or five years, where I would say that we were mostly known as a ladies handbag kind of company, it's across the board with Funko, Mondo, the whole Funko family, a lot of guys and a lot of women too. Like I just, I'm not a mini backpack person. I love this option. It's selling out too fast. Like, yeah,
6: the fact, the fact that our full size Soundwave sold out first really speaks volumes to where we're going as a brand and what we want to continue to
2: offer.
0: So this means more full size, yes, yes, because I'm a full size guy.
6: Means, 2024,
0: or you will be showered in.
6: 24 is the year for in new silhouettes, larger silhouettes, and more functional silhouettes.
0: So you're saying I'm upgrading my bag for Comic-Con next yes. year? Really? Oh, yes. Okay. Yes. Good to, to know. Good to know for sure. Is there anything that you're still getting a lot of requests for from fans that they're maybe not seeing from Lounge file? Like maybe specific fandoms or something like, there is one we want fandom. more for this.
6: We consistently <laughs> hear and ask for Rainbow Bright.
0: That is not the name I would have expected. I, you know yet. why?
6: Because we launched Strawberry Shortcake this year. Did amazing. We've done really well with My Little Pony. So oh, all nice. of these popples, all these 80s vintage toys, we have not done Rainbow Bright, And we consistently hear from fans Rainbow Bright.
0: The second you guys put out that Strawberry Shortcake, you set yourself up. We did. That's exactly what happened, we did. Is, is what happened there. I know that I asked you guys this the last time I talked to you, but it's Comic-Con, so I'm going to ask you again. All the exclusives exclusives that you've got this year, you can grab one for yourself. Which one is it, Liz?
6: I'm Jurassic Park. I love the colors. It's a fresh take. I love Jurassic Park, but all of our bags have been very traditional to the original movie color scheme. I love a neon summer take on a classic.
0: I know Derek's got his eye on something. I'm Soundwave.
2: (laughs) Oh, you picked the one I
7: would have picked. Of course.
2: It's amazing. It's It's kind of like my baby. I was so involved in like... The team did a great job. I mean, it's so exciting to see it sell
0: out. Well, it's amazing to see all the great stuff that they have at the booth this year. If you're at Comic Con, obviously come by and see them, but make sure you know, follow them on social media and all that other stuff. Because, I mean, they're going to have a lot of stuff planned beyond Comic Con for oh, yeah. sure. We're not
6: stopping.
0: No, they're <laughs> never They're never going to stop, ever. Liz, Derek, thank you guys oh, both God. so much for your time. I appreciate it. Well, thank, thank you, you for very always,
6: much. always taking time to talk about
0: Lounge Fight. And I'm telling you right now, I got an up close look at that Soundwave bag that. Derek was talking about it, and I just I, I have no words for it. Just I love the selective expansion that Loungefly has done, and they don't just expand for the sake of expanding. Like they were saying, they actually put stuff out very strategically, and they they put it out not not just very timely, but because this is what fans want. So I mean, if if you want Rainbow Bright, they're probably gonna make it happen sooner rather than later. I'm just saying that right now, and and they're they just so fun. To chat with and their enthusiasm is off the charts, so it's it's just so easy to support Loungefly when you've got Derek and Liz that are a part of this thing because not just they're it's not just because the products are fun, but because they're just great people as well, and that certainly helps. Again, thanks to Liz and Derek and the wonderful people at Loungefly for letting me have that conversation on the show floor at Comic Con this year. What up next? Let's go a little bit down the road here and talk about Mondo I'm going to talk to Hector and Peter about everything that's going on there next on the down and nerdy podcast
7: this is comic book writer and co-creator of Deadpool Fabian Nicieza, and you're listening
2: to the down and nerdy podcast
0: i'm sitting at the mondo booth at san diego comic-con 2023 this as far as i'm concerned is the place to be because there's so many amazing things that they've got going on i've got peter and hector the gurus behind it all gentlemen how you doing
4: great happy to be here awesome thank you for having us
0: so i was just talking to somebody outside of your booth guys and i was talking about how with mondo you really get your money's worth and pretty much everything that you get because the posters are the size of my wife (laughs) <laughs> I love them. They're incredible. Talk about what's exciting as far as posters this year. I know you've got some Spider-Man 2099 stuff. What other yeah. s- some other exciting stuff you've got? Well, we launched yesterday with
4: two great reproductions. So we had X-Men number two by Jim Lee, Spider-Man 2099 number one, and that's one of the just one of the things we do in posters is these re- reproductions that give you that great comic card that you loved, you know, reading you know years ago. And today, and have it now blown up to a giant size, which really lets you appreciate it on a different level. That was uh, Wednesday. And now every day going forward in the con, we're dropping brand new original prints, great pairings with artists like Tomer Hanuka, Tom Whalen, and uh, myself, Attack Peter, we're dropping a print. And super, super great stuff. We got Cowboy Bebop. We got uh, Spider-Man. It's just uh, Moon Knight by Greg Ruth. So the story of Mondo posters is finding that amazing artist whose work you love, Pairing them with an IP
0: that excites us
4: and the artist and bringing that pairing to the fans. That's that's the secret sauce.
0: Hector, is it just go big or go home for Mondo at everything you do? Is that just kind of you guys' motto around here?
5: Yeah, we try, we try, yeah. I mean, especially with in Toys and Collectibles, you know, we we just love doing some, you know, figures that are gonna wow people. And that's how, what we did last year when we were here, we had Battle Cat from, like, showing off Battle Cat, which was, people were just went crazy over. This year we have Bam Bat. 1.6 One six scale, first time ever. I think the only one the first six time. Probably six the last scale. one too. Probably the last one. No yeah. one's
4: ever no one's gonna be as crazy as we yeah. are with that.
5: Exactly. Over a two-foot wingspan, so yeah. we're yeah, we're pretty stoked,
0: Yeah. Talk about that vinyl line for a second, because it's not just the man bad. I'm looking at that magneto and I was first time I saw it, I was like, what? This might be the most incredible magneto that I've ever seen. So talk about the detail that
5: went into that. So with our one-six scale figure line and X-Men in particular. It's based off the show, right? So the X-Men The Animated Series, and we just wanted to recapture that look that was so iconic from that show. So the self-shading, the, the art style, we just wanted to bring that to life in a figure that's never been done before. Honestly, we were, we're the first we're the first uh, company to do, at the time, uh, X-Men The Animated Series, anything. And so launching that way back when with a Wolverine meme figure from a couple <laughs> Comic-Cons ago, so we've had a tradition to try to release a new x-men figure every every year and this year we have logan
0: which is you know um thank you um we're checking out the weapon you'll see the video if you go to YouTube and stuff like that.
5: So, you know, it's such an iconic look from that show where, you know, he's wearing the jacket, he's got the flannel, and so we, we thought it'd be awesome to bring him to Comic-Con this year as an exclusive. And the Magneto specifically is our Uncanny Edition, so
4: the, we re- released one that's more on model for the cartoon with the cell shading, and this one's more an homage to the comics. You know, we got the blacked out face, you got the metallic paints and the gauntlets and the helmet, so it's revisiting that character in all the different ways that you've loved him growing up.
0: Speaking of memes, and I love that you guys did this one <laughs> specifically, because you guys are easily my go-to for Masters of the Universe, because yeah. I just don't think anybody does it better. Thank Let's you. talk about the, the He-Man meme for a second, the, the Prince Adam meme, because yeah. that one that one is off the charts, man. I'm, I love that you guys did that.
4: <laughs> yeah, I mean, Hector has, has done an amazing job with Masters of the Universe, finding this perfect mix of loyalty to the original spirit of the characters, but also, Amping it up, putting an official Mondo twist on things—you know, just finding detail, creating opportunities to be excited about the armor—and it's just amazing. So with Prince Adam, yeah, of course, we we love the humor around it too. And our first image that we released was celebrating that meme—a subtle nod, but
5: one nonetheless. Yeah, we 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 still took the figure seriously in the sense of like we we put all the detail and all the care you did that, that yeah. yeah that we would normally do for any of our releases but we had to include it and also even like little nods to the original figure by having the pink sword as opposed to just a silver sword right or even a nod to the mini comics by having the masks of power come with him those are just little nods and little things that we love to do with all of our mo figures and just like really hit that fan base with like these are things that you grew up with, things that you're gonna remember. And so, yeah, but the main face it had to be included. There was no question about
0: it. Absolutely, and the one, another thing I love about you guys, and I wanted to ask you about this to kind of confirm this for me, is like, you guys don't release a ton at a time. You do everything in small batches. Does it feel like, quality over quantity for you guys. Obviously, you guys want a ton of figures and stuff out there, but do you have that quality over quantity approach? Of course, yeah.
5: We always want our figures to, you know, we we spend so much time in the pre-production aspect for every single thing. Even if it's a simple, more, you know, artist-driven soft vinyl, it still has so much detail and so much love. care so yeah there is a there is a part of that but there also is uh, another part where we do recognize that the fans want these so we do timed editions where we give fans uh, a times uh, you know you know a slot or time period to to be able to purchase their figure and if they if they get it that's awesome and if not, you know we still keep that exclusivity because after that we're never re-releasing that figure I mean in that version ever again so a timed edition is like that's your one chance to get it in this iteration, and that's, that's that's about it. And then with our soft vinyl, a little bit different approach, we, we just kind of scatter different colors.
0: And if you're a collector, that should speak to you yeah. on a whole other level, for sure. Yeah. I also want to talk about the, the records for a second, the vinyl records, because cool. I got my Cobra Kai last year. Awesome. Super excited about it. What made you guys decide it was time to kind of blend that musical aspect and the entertainment aspect as well, and even the comic aspect, because you know, fans do love the soundtracks.
5: Yeah, I mean, with. The soundtracks are such a pillar of Mondo, right it's it's about as important to the fan base as our posters as everything so i mean with with records in general i think it's just that again that same approach of like if we're fans of it we're gonna put it out and and that's mainly
0: like our big approach no doubt so as i kind of scan my eyes through all this amazing stuff right now you've got so much great stuff that's specifically for the show this year if i could tell you grab your favorite right now what are you grabbing favorite exclusive
5: yeah favorite, favorite exclusive what are you grabbing oh, hector come grabbing on i like grabbing ah that's a tough one
0: he's looking around the room you know, trying okay. not to so, pick one of his babies
5: yeah because I, yeah, I mean <laughs> i can be biased and be like oh for the toys i'll, I'll pick one for every department how about that okay that's so fair for toys i think this is my favorite it's going to be the Violanti. this is a clear glitter soft vinyl uh, blank that is like pretty um, just covered in glitter one of my favorite releases it's such a cool piece to have And we only have a small amount here at the show So this is super rare very very rare for the whole toys and collectibles department And then I would say for the posters this definitely has to be the spider-man 2099 I think it's one of my like an amazing cover. I'm so soaked that that team decided to reprodu- re Repro that cover. It's amazing and then for the vinyl records. I think it's probably gonna be Ted Lasso It's an amazing, it came out amazing.
0: Oh, everybody loves that one. Okay, Peter, I just asked Hector, you could pick out a favorite of the exclusives this year.
4: What are you grabbing? Oh my God, Man Bat. And I'm taking that man bat with that massive over two foot wingspan and wiping my shelf clear of all the other <laughs> toys just to make space for its majesty and its glory. In terms of the records, that WALL-E soundtrack that's literally only on eco vinyl. We're only doing that one variant on eco vinyl because it makes sense for the property. And I love Wally. e that soundtrack's incredible. And then posters, God don't make me choose between my children. If I choose between the, from the from the reproductions that we've done, it's that Jim Lee X-Men number two with Magneto standing over, strangling Xavier. And if I choose from one of the artist's editions, uh, uh, the online variant that we're doing with Florian Bergmer for Destroy All Monsters is a masterpiece and it's like probably his best poster that I've ever seen. I can't wait to own both variants because they're that good
0: that's incredible before i let you guys go those six scale figures are are i think really taking off for you guys is there a wish list something you really want to do in the future that might be coming at some point well i'll tell you what i want to do before
4: i die is one six scale this is not saying that we're doing this one six scale comic accurate hellboy figures that's me me as peter as an individual i would kill to do that there's lots of stuff i want to do but if
5: i only ever get that i'd be happy
0: Hector's got a glint in his eye. He's got to have <laughs> something.
5: We have a lot of stuff in the works, but, and I'm not saying, you know, this is going to, me personally as a fan, I want to see Thundercats. I want to do, you know, we want to, you know, do, give Thundercats the mochu treatment where we stay true to the original characters, but we update the designs. We add more detail. We add nods to the episodes or whatever. So yeah, that would be mine.
4: Oh, one more. Can I do one more? Of Ni- course you can do Ninja one more. Ninja Turtles, dude. Yes! If we could do, If we could give Ninja Turtles the same treatment that we give Masters, which is you know the characters when you see them. They're loyal with all the different b- details and Easter eggs, but they're uh, created by Mondo, and they feel original and, you know, exclusive to Mondo. That's a dream.
0: See, this is where you go to social media and find Mondo and tell them that these are well, all of the things uh, that you want. Go, 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 you can go talk to Ed, the, the, the Nickelodeon and tell them like, <laughs> we're down, we're ready to go. <laughs> oh, so that's where it's at. Okay, so we'll <laughs> don't, bug... Don't, Pete, don't tell anybody anything. We will, bu- we will bug them, but there's, they've already got so much great stuff yeah, that you yeah. need to check out. Hector, Peter, guys, thank you so much both no, for your time. I really you, appreciate man, love it. it. it and when I tell you that Mondo has some of the most beautiful six-scale figures I've ever seen, I mean Mondo has some of the more be- most beautiful six-scale figures I've ever seen. And these Batman figures that they had up there, the new ones from Phantasm and Batman the Animated Series, are going to blow your freaking mind if you haven't seen them already. And these posters, man, you want a giant poster of comic art that you really already love in the first place. The, the, Mondo is your go-to, and, and it's really... Not even close. It's there's there's no close second. I don't think I think it's unparalleled. It's just a fun brand, and it, they just have so much detail that goes into this, and so much love, and it really shows when you're walking through there and seeing these exclusives. So if you're already at Comic Con, make sure you stop by Mondo, and pick yourself something up. You will not be sorry that you did. It's going to be the star of your shelf for sure. Again, thanks to Peter and Hector for joining me to talk about Mondo a little bit this week. Up next. Going to talk about collectibles one more time because famed Ninja Turtles artist Mateus Santaloco joined me at the Loyal Subjects booth for a quick chat about some of the exclusives that they have there at booth number 2544. I'll talk about that next. I'm James Witham. This is the Down and Nerdy Podcast.
3: Hi, this is Kevin Eastman, co-creator of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and you're listening to me on the Down and Nerdy Podcast.
0: I'm at the Loyal Subjects booth here at Comic-Con, of course they've got so many great Ninja Turtles things this year, and I just happened to run into the artist himself. You might know him from IDW, he did the live for Loyal Subjects as well. Mateus, and Mateus, say your last name for me one more time. Santo Loco. Santo Loco. See, I'm going to practice that in the mirror when I get yeah. back to the hotel. <laughs> but Mateus, obviously, your, your artwork's been incredible on this Turtles run. Talk about the collaboration here with Loyal Subjects Oh way.
7: man, it has been great since day one. We already like were developing the toys, but they called me in and told me they will, the, the toys would be based on my drawings. So I did some consulting for them to help to, to fine-tune the sculpts and also did a, a custom artwork for for the, for the packaging. And it's a, it has been a great experience so far, you know. I, I've, I've been working with the turtle since 2011, and I've been craving to have some toys based on my drawings since then, so I'm super, super excited about that. There's gotta be a cool factor to that, right? Yeah, yeah, of course, of course, of course. I, I guess every, everyone that works with comics and with these iconic characters hope to someday see their drawings turn into toys and action figures, you know?
0: so Mateus, obviously when you're working with turtles you know it's a fandom that's near and dear to all of our hearts I think at this point what's something when you were consulting with them you're like you got to make sure we get this right for the fans
7: oh well especially uh, the proportion between the turtles since I tried to draw them each with uh, different body types and facial features different from each other also to like to uh, to mirror their uh, personalities and and all that so that's one, one aspect I was really like focused on to, to to get the proportion between them and the the, the faces like accurate, extra, extra looking like my style, you know.
0: Is there a particular turtle that's more fun to draw than some others? Because I mean, everybody's got a favorite, I think. But yeah. is there any that's more fun to draw than others?
7: oh uh, it depends. It depends on the on the on the story I'm working, I guess. Uh, more lighthearted hearted stories, uh, Mike is always fun to draw, and action things, I think. Uh, Raphael for obvious reasons. Uh, but I love them all, you know. People often ask me which one is my favorite, and I, I don't, honestly, I don't have one because it depends on, on the vibe of the story you're telling. So yeah, they all got to shine in, the, their, in their own moment, you know.
0: That's very cool. And of course you're gonna be able to meet fans here at the Laurel Subjects booth. What, what do fans say to you about your work on Turtles? Yeah, people uh,
7: uh, usually like uh, praise uh, my work about especially this uh, characteristic of the turtles being different from each other, that's one thing. And I don't know man, That's always like weird to talk about (laughs) yourself.
0: Oh, trust me, I know. I talk about people like you all the time. Myself, (laughs) not so much. Mateus, thank you so much man for your time and enjoy the con. Oh, thank you, thank you. And first of all, I have to say, I kind of put Mateus on the spot there. So he was a good sport for chatting with me for a few minutes. I just love his art on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and to see that come to life, in these figures from Loyal Subjects who already have a whole bunch of amazing turtle stuff. It just adds to it. Plus, they have the token Razor there. They have that glow-in-the-dark shredder that's there at the booth. So if you're not, if you're, I mean, if you are at Comic-Con, then you need to stop by booth number 2544 and get some of these exclusives from the Loyal Subjects because they are, if you're a Turtles fan, this is something you need to have, especially if you love Mateus' run in the comics and thanks thank Mateus so much once again for joining me to chat at the loyal subjects booth this week up next there's still a little bit of nerd news to talk about from the first couple of days of comic-con and i'll get into some of that next on the down and nerdy podcast
3: this is dave dust Malchin, creator of count crowley reluctant midnight monster hunter
1: you are listening to the down and nerdy podcast
0: it might be only the Wednesday and Thursday edition, but it is time for Nerd News Comic-Con style. And there were some interesting things to come out of these first couple of days, especially Thursday because, you know, preview night nobody's really dropping any news, but I wanted to start with an announcement from DC who's teaming up with Legendary to do Justice League versus Godzilla versus Kong. That's right, they're going to combine those worlds into one big Comic event that's going to be written by Brian Bussolato, who's a former guest on the show. You've also got Christian Ducey, who I hope I'm saying that right, and we have colorist Louis Guerrero, as, as or, or Louis Guerrero that's going to be involved in this as well. And the the splash art page that they sent out the artwork by Drew Johnson for the cover, which is definitely going to be a wraparound cover from what I'm looking at right now. Just shows this just massive Godzilla and Kong and members of the Justice League that are up there as well. Now, some of these details aren't going to come out until Friday, so I might have to talk about this again on next week's show. But basically, the the gist that was sent out by DC was that, you know, this was a battle between the Justice League and the Legion of Doom when things started off, and then a wall between worlds is breached, and now you've got Godzilla Kong and the MonsterVerse emerging into DC's, Earth, So there's going to be a lot of uncertainty there once that comes in. And I'm looking at more of these art pages now. And it just looks so incredible and clean. And you, you get to see not just Justice League members, but like I said, Legion of Doom members in this as well. From what I'm seeing, I mean, I've seen Captain Cold in here. I saw Green Lantern. I saw Supergirl, Flash. I mean, you name it. It seems like there's going to be, you know, certainly an extended Justice League in this thing. Now, this, this is something that, of course, you know, Warner Brothers has the legendary properties that they've put out before with, you know, the Godzilla movies and the Kong movies and things like that. So this isn't very far-fetched. And to do this in comics, where you can kind of, you know, the sky's the limit for what you can do in comics because there's so many great artists and there's certainly great artists attached to this book. So this, to me, seems like an idea that I'm kind of surprised they haven't done already. Like, DC's certainly done plenty of really good crossover books with other publishers and stuff like that. You know, like we had the Green Lantern Star Trek crossover not too long ago. That's just the first one that popped into my head. So, and this is not out of the realm of possibility of DC doing something like this. And this is just something creative and fun that you can get excited about. And this is one of those, like, Comic-Con moments type announcements, so this is what happens when you bring DC back to the floor, right? Stuff like this happens. Although I will say, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles has had a huge spotlight at this year's show. Not just because of the Hall H panel for Mutant Mayhem, which will be out on August the 2nd. And yeah, they released a new clip from, this, from the movie, that, that was, and it just looks fun. I just become more and more convinced of how fun this movie is going to be. But the big news, I think was Nickelodeon announcing during that Hall H panel that Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the original animated series from 1987, has they've secured the global rights to that series. Now, it's going to come to digital later this year and then to Nickelodeon-branded channels after that. And these because these are global rights, this will expand internationally out as well. So if you're an international, you've been waiting for the chance to somehow... See or acquire by the Ninja Turtles animated series of old that we love. Looks like your chance is going to be coming soon. Plus, to me, and this wasn't part of the announcement, but I thought the timing was interesting. To me, it seems like this could open the door for new projects based on that original series. Not necessarily maybe a continuation from where it left off, but something something new in some capacity. Now I know we've seen that art style and those characters in other versions of ninja turtles before but this is different this is having the rights which means you've got it all at this point right so to me it seems like you do this a because it's smart because you want to be able to you know show the series on nickelodeon and on nickelodeon branded channels and on you know maybe paramount plus as well at some point that was again not part of the announcement this is just where my head's at But it just seems like you don't do this unless you've got a plan to do something more. So I'm keeping my eyes on this for sure to see what's going to happen with this. But, I mean, at the end of the day, am I happy that it's going to be easier for me to show my kids the original Ninja Turtles series that made me fall in love with the turtles? Absolutely. So, I mean, this is a win for me as a parent. So I'll go ahead and take that win. Crunchyroll actually had some big announcements. You know what? The excitement is building for the One Piece live-action adaptation that's on Netflix, but no, 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 no. We're going to talk about anime this time because it's Crunchyroll, who announced also at Comic-Con that they're bringing three One Piece movies to the service on July the 27th. So we've got One Piece film Gold, also One Piece Stampede, and One Piece Film Red, which are big, big One Piece movies that, you know, maybe you've been waiting for. Also, the, uh, the part of the original anime series the English dub of that came out on July 5th, but the rest of it from from 977 to 988 is going to be coming out on July the 25th if you've been waiting for that. Beyond the One Piece stuff, and they had some really cool One Piece displays on the show floor this year, I so I thought that that was really neat. But we've also got a One Punch Man online game that's going to be debuting here soon. They're actually demoing it. ...on the show floor if you've got a chance to go down there yet or if you haven't, you know, you've still got time to be able to do that. And they've also announced a couple of new anime series that's going to be coming. And I'll tell you a little bit about each one of them. So Fluffy Paradise is going to be coming in January of 2024. That's the, that's the you know, the, the date that they have right now anyway. And Midori is a young, young woman who dies at the age of 27 and is reincarnated by a god who sort of tasks her to tell him if humans should continue existing in the world that she's been brought back into, which I think is a really interesting concept. And then you have Shy, which comes out in October of this year, and it's a, it's a show about all war has ended on Earth, has ceased, and there and heroes kind of emerge to try and help maintain this newfound peace that the world has had. So I think that's super interesting. I think the concept of that possibly being a thing Is really, really interesting. So I love what Crunchyroll is doing right now. I love that this was an opportunity this year for them to make a big splash. And I think that they certainly did that. Finally, I was, you know, there was so much around Comic Con about what is Project K, this new sci fi movie from India? What is this thing? We finally found out that is, and I'm going to try and pronounce this as best as I can Kalki28. Ninety-eight A.D. is the name of the movie that's going to be coming out on 2024. Now, I will say that I am very ignorant in the the stars of Indian cinema. So, I certainly don't know a whole lot about that. But what I can tell you is when I'm watching this trailer that finally got released, which apparently has some of the biggest stars in India and also a big, big big-time director as well. So, as I'm looking... At this first trailer for this thing, it really, to me, struck me as kind of a India version of Dune with some other sci-fi elements mixed in. I got big Dune vibes. It was almost like a cross between Dune and 300, it almost seemed like, in a weird way. More aesthetically, like 300 and story-wise, I I will say that, but it's Nag Ashwin Reddy, who is the director of... Of this movie, and that just from what I actually heard somebody talking in one of the press rooms that I was in, and people found that the stars of this movie, which are again apparently very popular, and the director were, were out, you know, amongst the fans, you know, getting to the convention center, and people were just darting into the traffic just to try and get a glimpse of these stars. And it's not just, and it's not because Hollywood is not really having a presence at Comic-Con. Apparently, these stars are the of this upcoming movie are just that huge for fans in India and international fans. And it's like, you know, what are we missing? And I think that's kind of the buzz I've got for this thing right, right now. Like, what am I missing? What are we missing? How incredible is this really going to be? So I'm going to keep my eyes open for this thing when it comes out in 2024, which is, you know, that's when it's supposed to be coming out right now but again there's you know the release dates seem like they're going to be pretty fluid right now although this is india cinema it's i don't know how much it gets effective about what what happens here in the u.s i don't think at all so and it'll be i'm curious to see how much of a buzz this is going to get over in the states but interna- internationally already pretty huge it seems like that's going to do it for this week's edition of the down and nerdy podcast again thanks for listening to part one of the comic-con show part two going to come out next week which is going to be my big review of the show overall but this is just kind of my initial impression of things you know from wednesday and thursday but still i mean some great stuff and thanks to my amazing guests for joining me this week it was so nice to get out talk to people in person out on the show floor it's always fun to be able to do that make sure you're following and subscribing wherever you get your podcast whether it be in spotify apple Podcasts, wherever you get them Make sure you're subscribing to the show, which really, really helps out a ton. You can always find everything at downandnerdypodcast.com as well. Follow at downandnerdy757 on Twitter, Instagram, and threads. Also, at downandnerdypod on TikTok and at downandnerdy on Facebook because there's always some fun stuff going on there. and That's where the pictures and videos and stuff are going to hit first from Comic-Con. So The next couple of days, if you're listening to this, it's still Comic-Con. Make sure you follow me because I've got some really fun stuff to share with you there. So I'm going to go back to my work at Comic Con here to bring you some more great stuff this week. But remember, you never have to apologize for being a nerd, not just at Comic Con. So let your fan flag fly and be good to your fellow nerds.
3: Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama